0: For WCYB Digital Radio, I'm Melissa O'Leary. Joining me today is Eric Smith, a Washington-based restaurant owner who lost nearly $90,000 to wire fraud. Welcome, Eric.
1: Hello. How are you?
0: I'm doing well. How about yourself?
1: Doing great.
0: Good. Well, if I have the timeline correct, the wire fraud occurred about a year ago during Christmas time, 2022. Is that accurate?
1: Yes, ma'am. It was December 12th of 22.
0: A day you'll never forget, I guess.
1: I have tried, and I can't seem to, so... I guess it's going to live there.
0: I hear you. Well, why don't we just start out with the brief overview of what occurred on December 12th, 2022.
1: It was early in the morning, about 730 up in Washington. So right when we're getting the kids up and ready to go to school and all that stuff. And I had gotten a text message from Chase Mobile Banking. and I was kind of familiar with getting these text messages because we were a business that was less than a year old. We started out with a kind of a smaller amount of money in the account just to get us going with working capital. We have maybe twenty or thirty thousand in there to start. And owning a restaurant, you have to pay big chunks of money for food and product from time to time. So there was I was constantly getting these text messages, do you approve this transaction? Do you approve this one? And you know, it was either a yes or no. And I had never had any no's that I had to send to them until this morning and they had asked if I had authorized a transaction for four or $500 for some place overseas, and obviously no, I had not, so I replied back no, and within 30 seconds, I was receiving a phone call from what I was told was Chase Business Banking, asking if I had authorized these transactions, I said no, the person on the other line who had a Chase employee ID number. I mean, everything that I was familiar with with Chase was kind of up to par at this point. You know, this is so-and-so, here's my ID number for your reference, blah, blah, blah. A few minutes later, after him asking me questions, which again, I'm sitting here thinking I'm talking to a Chase Bank manager or business banker or whatever. Okay, well, there's active fraud going on in your account right now, and we can see that people are trying to transfer out large sums of money. And at this point, I ended up losing 85500 and what I had between the business checking account and the business savings account was about eighty-six five or something like that. That's what I had, which was normal for that time of year and that amount of business that we were doing to have that amount in working capital. He asked if he could send me an authorization code just so I could verify my identity, which again was a common thing that they do. He texts me a code. The strange thing was, is it was being texted to my phone and was also being texted to my wife's phone at the same time. You know, they were overloading us at this point, making us think, okay, we're being attacked right now or, you know, I'm fraud on our account. So I end up giving the guy what I later found out was a five digit code so that he could access it, but come to find out that Chase operates on six digit codes. When a manager sends you the code like they're supposed to, it's a six digit code. The one that this guy sent me was a five digit code. So I don't know if they kind of backdoored their way into Chase's system or what. And essentially once I repeated that code off to him, he had full access to my bank account. So he went in there under Acting as if it was me, he was able to mirror the screen that I was using. So, you know, Chase denied my fraud claim saying that they can't guarantee that I didn't benefit from that $85,500 that was stolen, which is just crazy to me. Because they said that it came off of the same computer that I had in my office at the restaurant. I said, why would I do that? You know, basically all it is now is my word against theirs. Long story short is they transferred out two transactions, one for 42300 and one for 43300 or whatever, totaling up to the amount of 85500 Within minutes of realizing that they had wiped the account, I drove to the Chase Bank and sat in front of a personal business banker and told them what was going on. They were done via wire transfers, so... A lot of stuff wasn't adding up to me because with Chase, wires are supposed to take 24 to 48 hours to be approved. However, these ones were approved immediately. They went straight through, straight into this person's account or whatever account it was. And I have the names of the people, you know, the quote unquote names of the people that were on the accounts that the money was sent to and filed my claims, and sat and waited, and Chase came back and said that there was nothing that they could do about it, that it looks to be that I was the one that authorized the transaction, so I went further up, and they went and did their investigation, and came back and said the same thing, so I went further up again, and ended up going all the way up to the executive committee with Chase Bank, and they still kind of maintained the same line, was that they can't guarantee that I didn't benefit from this money. And I said, well, if I had benefited from this money, I understand there's bad people in the world, but why would I be so hard pressed about getting it back? Right. You know what I mean? If I had benefited from it, wouldn't I just try to let this die and go away and forget about it and jokes on them type of a thing? Why would I continually be calling every day? What's the latest? What's this? What's that? So, I mean, it's gotten to the point where I'm working to try to file a class action lawsuit against them because in doing the news article that I did on our local news up in Seattle a lot of people were contacting me via my email or via the restaurant via social media saying i had very similar things i never came across anybody in my own personal dealings that had lost more than the 85,500 but you know people losing 12,000 and actually when i went into the bank and sat in front of the business banker there there was three other people in the bank that were going through the exact same thing as I was. One lady was just an absolute blubbering, sobbing mess. Though know, I don't blame her at all, but she had lost $12,000. And this is two weeks before Christmas. Exactly. And the bank is telling them that they can't do anything to help them, that it looks like they were the ones that authorized the transaction. So unfortunately, we'll just have to file claims and see what they do.
0: Wow. How did you weather the storm? I mean, that's such a difficult time of year to lose that amount of money.
1: Fortunately, we're a debt free business. We have a lot of money within our family and was able to borrow money to cover the payroll costs and really we were very lucky in the fact that we didn't skip a beat we had payroll so that happened on the 12th our next payroll I filed on the 15th and then that was paid out on the 20th and we had enough money to pay payroll with about 50 bucks in the account left over and we just limped through. In all honesty, we didn't get back to the point in the account to where we were up until about a month ago, having the holiday business and whatnot. So it was about a year-long struggle of monitoring our finances, what we can do, what we can't do, where we can buy stuff. You know, God forbid something break down in the restaurant, let's have to drop a $20,000 repair cost or whatever. So it was tough. We just kind of did what we had to do. We stopped taking dividends for my wife and I, obviously. So we just kind of limped across with savings that her and I had. We never got backed up on any of our vendors or any of our rent or any of that kind of stuff, any of our payroll. We were able to just limp by without having serious ramifications as far as, you know, being out of money.
0: Congratulations. I know as a business owner that that's quite a bit to deal with and I know you're on vacation right now so I'm glad that a year later you can at least maybe take a breath and kind of start to recover from this.
1: We're still trying to get on top of it. I get the impression that Chase is just going to dangle us along until we stop contacting them about it which makes me just want to contact them even more. As a business owner you have to be aggressive. Nobody's going to do it for you. So if I just let this go, then Chase is off the hook for that money. But at the end of the day, they went against a lot of their policies and procedures in the way that that money was wired out of my account. And that's what my attorneys have been going off of, you know, you guys didn't follow your documented procedures and your codes and this kind of stuff to ensure that this stuff doesn't happen. And, you know, they just kind of push us aside. If we're not bugging them about it, they're definitely not going to say anything to me about it.
0: Right. Well, how have you adapted your business practices around wires because of this? I mean, you're certainly going to have to kind of figure that out on your own based on the support that you're getting. So wondering, do you have any tips for other business owners on how you've changed your practices?
1: So I still bank through Chase and a lot of people will say, well, why would you continue to bank through Chase when that's the bank that all this happened with? Well, In my mind, I kind of feel like if I change banks and withdraw all of my money out of Chase Bank, then that absolves them of what happened. You know what I mean? I still want to have that tether to Chase Bank for when all of this stuff does hit the fan and we can go to court and, you know, get our story out there in the legal side of things. I went and had all of my account numbers renumbered. I had new business debit cards reissued to myself and my wife. I had an IT professional come in and completely wiped the computers. My personal computer, my business computer, I reset our phones so we had to go and manually write down all of our contacts or enter them into Google and then wipe our phones off and reset them up. It was a mess. We had only been in business for less than a year when this happened. And we don't run off of lines of credit with our vendors, We pay cash for everything. That's kind of our philosophy of staying debt-free. I don't want to owe people. I pay the bills as I get them. But I had to go and reset up accounts because I came in with a whole new account number. I had to reset up all of the 20 or 30 different vendor accounts that I had set up under the new billing information. So that took weeks to do that. Now, I've spoken at retirement communities in Gig Harbor, Washington, where I live, talking to the older generation because they're the ones that seem to fall victim to this. You know, if me in my mid 30s, you know, very intelligent, you know, don't mean to say, but I'm intelligent enough, you know what I mean? And for me to fall victim to this, it wouldn't be anything for somebody else, you know what I mean? Especially the older generation, for them to fall victim to something like this as well. So just telling people if you get text messages from your bank that look suspicious, let it remain suspicious don't answer anything via text call into your bank yourself if i would have done that simple step of just not freak out not answer the question over the text and i would have gone and called my bank myself they would have said no that was fraud nobody's trying to wire money out and there we go you know i wouldn't have lost anything but i unfortunately acted on thinking of the goodwill of people and oh they're trying to help me out And it didn't even register until the money had actually been wired out that, wait a second, that wasn't right. We need to get on top of this pretty quick.
0: Right. And that's very common in these cases where, well, one, the processes of the bank are just completely mimicked to a T and it's incredibly realistic. And then there's always a sense of urgency. So, you know, you call yourself an intelligent person and I can tell that you are intelligent. And I think that. Many intelligent people do fall victim to these schemes because at the end of the day, this is fraud perpetrated by a criminal and they're incentivized to gain your trust to get to their ultimate goal, which is your money. So I think overall, you've certainly kind of recovered as best you can from this. And it's great to hear that you're working on giving back to the community and helping the elderly because that is certainly Another demographic that is just very heavily targeted and kind of the same fact pattern in terms of how the attacks go down. Now, in terms of cybersecurity forensics, did you have any work done to take a look into exactly how the fraudsters were able to kind of get the accurate codes and some of the other pieces that they needed to move forward?
1: I didn't. I didn't go into it. I really kind of handed it off to my attorney. My main business partner is my father-in-law who has owned large companies down in the southern states who I worked for for many years. He's part of our finance. He's our financial backer, if you will. He's got a very hard-nosed attorney down in Texas. We handed it off over to them, and they've been working on it. I've heard all kinds of stuff about, you know, the forensic, looking into your background or see how they were able to get in. I was encouraged as quickly as possible to have my computer wiped. So that they wouldn't have access to it change all of my passwords but as far as doing any further digging into how it happened i did not i have been more on the side of trying to see how i can recover it if anyway if at all
0: yeah absolutely i think it's always from a business owner perspective when it comes to cybersecurity. of course the technical folks are going to say wait a minute wait a minute let's take a look at the device before it's wiped but From a business perspective, sometimes you do just have to move ahead. And like you said, you were facing payroll, facing AP and other things that just come at you as a business owner. And sometimes you do have to decide.
1: That's exactly what it was. The town that we live in is a very small, my wife and I refer to it as like a Nantucket style town. You know, I mean, it it is truly a harbor town, very small. There's only a certain amount of restaurants in the town you know so fortunately we stay fairly busy and at the point where the dust settled we had 50 bucks in the accounts or 150 very small amount not enough to buy the steaks to sell that we would need for the night so we just tried to kind of continue on and push through and let our legal side handle what they could we focused primarily on getting our vendors set back up ensuring that Our staff knew that this wasn't going to affect them, you know, this wasn't going to affect their pay. It was something that neither my wife or I had ever dealt with before, and so looking back on it now, over a year later, there's tons of stuff that I wish that we could have done differently. First and foremost, not answering the text message would be the first big one. Everything really starts from answering that text message and kind of trickles down. I was the one that answered it, you know, so ultimately I feel like the responsibility is on my head for this, so I felt Very strongly that I needed to do whatever I could to not skip a beat for my wife, for my kids, for my employees, for everybody like that. So it wasn't so much of let's fix this. It's let's try to do what we have to do to continue on. And we'll work on picking the pieces up after we know that the restaurant, the staff and everybody else is going to be okay.
0: That's such a great mindset. Well, Eric, thank you so much for joining us today. I think a lot can be learned from your case. Do you have any final comments for the listeners or anything that you want to kind of impart?
1: I mean, I've said it throughout this talk. It's unfortunate that I had lost the $85,500, but at the same token, I'm 37 years old. I'm young. I'm fully capable of building that money back up. My biggest concern, my thought, always goes to the grandparents and the grandmas and, you know, the very innocent, sweet people that if I can put this out there and let people know that this is real, you know, because most people don't even think that something like this could happen. It doesn't seem real that people could go in and have access to your stuff like that. So if I can raise awareness and get even one person to not fall victim to it, then I feel like I've kind of done what I needed to do. It's all come out to the positive one.
0: For WCYB Digital Radio, I'm Melissa O'Leary, Partner and Chief Strategy Officer at Fortalis Solutions. Joining me today was a restaurant owner whose business was victimized by a fraud scheme. For more of our media, visit our website at cybersecurityventures.com.